Welcome, I'm Luca Reedy, the host of the Feeling Alive podcast. Thank you for being here. Look, I'm going to be straight up honest here. Right now, we are a race desperately seeking fulfillment and truth in our life. And I, for one, have been in the depths of emptiness myself. And let me tell you this, it can get dark down there, but you can get out of it. So I've made it my mission to bring you guests that are inspiring, thought-provoking, and even radical in their belief systems, which are going to leave you feeling empowered, fulfilled, and ready to leap into your true self. It's time to awaken to a new way of being. Your true potential exists right now. You only need to go and find it. And before we get stuck into this next episode, I wanted to just take a short bit of your time and let you know what I've got offered for people listening to this now. So I'm very passionate about healing the emotions, very passionate about giving you a platform to start seeing your truth. And so what I have decided to do is get some more information out there that will be able to help you on that journey, that self-discovery journey. So I've got a free five-day course with an ebook called Changing Your Reality, which is talking about the mechanisms that are in your environment and within you that are holding you back or stopping you from getting to your destination, to your dream goal, to your ideal future, your ideal reality. And the ebook goes into the depths of it. There's also a fielding meditation. And this is created based on my own experience of looking at my own energy and doing the healing of my past, which was creating a conditioned program that could only limit me a specific environment or a specific manifestation of a reality based on all the shit that I've carried on my past and when I realized that I could disconnect and I I started to learn about the mechanisms that was making that happen I started shaking that shit because that's not how I want to live when I bring my kids into this world or how I want to be interacting with my family and friends in the future and on that note I've also just started to open up to some limited spaces for mentoring so one-on-one mentoring where we go on this energetic guidance over eight weeks and we do use the quantum world and we we heal the past and we heal the story that's been holding us back and make sense of us to give us meaning and not only that we I give you accountability coaching to help you work towards your goals and what action you need to take in the right direction and not any old action that's the right action in the right direction so finding your alignment and then also using my spirituality and my understanding of consciousness and the universe and interjecting that into your life so you can start seeing more meaning on a daily basis and so I've got a limited amount of spots and this is going to be for an eight-week course eight-week program with weekly zoom calls Um, I'm in Bali so it has to be zoom but if you are in Bali or you're in Bali during that eight-week period more than welcome to do them in person they're just as effective and I can help you break down the barriers break down the limiting beliefs break down the condition program and help you find more meaning on the way to your goals and dreams. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce this next episode very shortly, which is powerful. And if you resonate with that, then you can see, you can take the next action and see down in the show notes for uh, more information. So thank you very much and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Feeling Alive with Luca Reedy. We have had a week in between the episode with my last journey, uh, sorry, with my co-host and the last episode where I was doing the answering. And this is the next series of that. We'll be doing these weekly, these live Q&As. I would say with the best co-host that is out there. 
with the best <laughs> co-host that and is the out most there. <laughs> and this is going to be a weekly occurrence where you will hear more from me, my co-host Danny L. Kettlewell, my beautiful partner, Olympian author and motivational speaker mm-hmm. and also life coach, will be using her gift of communication to get the goodies out of me. Uh, I believe I have a very powerful story for those that are struggling with domestic violence, with alcohol, drug abuse, substance abuse. Finding uh, your purpose. Finding well. yourself, finding who you are, what true meaning is, whether you are stuck in the problems of societal conditioning and how to break free from that. I've been through all of that and I'm on the other side. And so that segues into what this episode will actually be about, which is on the journey of myself from feeling empty to feeling alive and how this podcast came about and the essence of what this podcast is about Mm. and why I choose the guests I choose and why I decide to interview the way I decide to interview and to be honest it's just beginning it's going to get deeper it's going to get more complex and I think there's going to be more radical thought-provoking guests coming on and maybe even somewhat controversial to the paradigms of society now and so without further ado i welcome my beautiful co-host danielle i just did a drum roll for myself (laughs) yeah i'll I'll, I'll organize a drum drumming session later thank you um thank you it's nice to be back here and like i said um it's nice to be on the other side because i've been on a few podcasts myself but um and i love a chat but it's nice to be interviewing you and um, I know you pretty well. So I, I think I can bring out some good golden nuggets mm-hmm. um, inside, of, inside of your story because it is a powerful story. And, and for, I think that um, everyone has a, an amazing life story and everyone yeah. has an incredible journey. It's just we, the beautiful thing about podcasts nowadays is people are getting more of their chance to actually share it. Um, and everyone's journey is going to resonate differently with certain people. Like my journey isn't going to resonate with some people. Your journey will. Um, and coming from that point, I'd like to kind of start with the first question and saying, you know, where were you? Like you said, you went from feeling empty to feeling alive. So when did this start in your life that you felt a sense of emptiness? And I know that you've kind of touched on this before in other podcasts, mm. but people might not have heard that. And, um, you know, kind of just take us back to the beginning. Like, what was life like um, all the way back in 1990 when Luca Reedy, or at the time Luca, Luke Nikita Jacob Heldupas, came Nikita into this. Luke Nikita Jacob Heldupas, yes. Came true. into this realm. What was life like for him and, and where? Um, kind of t- walk us along that path with you. That's, that's a good question. Thank you, darling. Um, it's actually funny because that's the first time I've actually made it public that I did change my name. So it's mm. only really my close friends and family who know that. Luke Nikita Jacob Reedy, uh, sorry, Luke Nikita Jacob Heldupus was my birth name. Um, Luke is still my birth name. However, I did change my last name to Reedy, which is my mother's maiden name. Um, and I had a more deeper, stronger connection with that side of the family. My dad's side of the family, we didn't have a relationship until later on um, due to a number of circumstances. However, I am Greek and Maori and born in Australia. So that is the, the background info on that. But yeah, so it's interesting because feeling empty was was something that I think was well before becoming of a man. Uh, sorry, it, it, sort of as you becoming of a man, you started feeling empty. 
um, where you start understanding at like you start interpreting advertising, you start interpreting uh, other people's beliefs, belief systems, uh, comments, opinions, and then you start like using that outside opinion and using it to reflect on your own life. Mm. And that's where it really started to happen for me. For me, it was probably mainly when I started working full-time, like 18, uh, maybe even a little bit before because I went into real estate first where I wanted to do real estate. I was um, working part-time after school at, um, it was like a real estate slash agricultural wholesaling company in back in New South Wales. Mm. And I was in year 11 at the time and I just was like, quit, done. I'm going to go earn cash money because I don't <laughs> like maths and I don't like, I actually, funny enough, ended up throwing in, quitting my business unit at, at school, my elective, my, it was on business mm. studies. Quit that, I like wagged the first school of physics and went and got a job because society said making money is important. And, and real you? estate was making a lot of cash. Mm, so I went in there. Especially in Australia, like I think there's a big um, emphasis on going into real estate because that is where you can make money. But so you dropped out of high school. At year 11. At yep. year 11. Year 11, first semester. I dropped out. I was like, nah, I'm done with this shit. Mm. I want to go earn some cash. And, you know, I didn't really earn that much cash. I ended up getting the sack from that job because I was dealing with the troubles of my past that had caught up to me. So my mum had split up with my stepfather. That was eight years of, I can't remember how long she was with him for 14, but I lived with them two for eight years after my mm. grandfather died. Let's go back a little bit further though. So back to the very beginning. So you were born and you were Greek and Maori. Yeah. And um, what was the situation with your dad for people that don't know? So Yeah, cool. Your birth dad. So we're going to go right back there. But that was, just to recap, that was when I started feeling emptiness. Mm. When it was like 16, 17, 18, just started to work and mm-hmm. getting attached to societal conditioning. So the whole story unravels. And for those who haven't seen my podcast on Open Up Podcast with Lockie, I explain this in, in depth, so you can go and check that out. This, my background was, so I grew up, my mum and my father met and they had me and they had love and that was beautiful, mm. but then my dad had his own shit going on. And so from four years of age, he started mixing with, so when I was four years of age, he started mixing with drugs and working away. And I mean, you can probably get the depth of the story through him, whatever it is, my mum decided that. Uh, they ended up breaking up, so they ended up splitting up. And I remember the day where they did split up, mm. and he went and worked in Africa, and I stayed with my mum for a little bit. But my grandfather, who was in Perth, ended up raising me because my mum had to go up north, a single mum, right? I had to go up and work and earn money. So she ended up driving trucks up north and made, making some good money and sending it back to my grandfather and I. And they, she came back and started a business, and whatever. But I essentially grew up with my grandfather, who is a traditional Maori man. He like was teaching us Māori, we had Māori lessons, he was teaching us the haka, we, mm. he was very disciplined, he played for the Māori All Blacks, so he was training us to be professional athletes. Mm. My cousin, we lived in like this duplex house, which was the most amazing, that's, when I say home, that's my main home, like mm. I get goosebumps talking about it, that was home. That's where we grew up as a family, although I just grew up with my grandfather there. And so we lived in this duplex with a huge open backyard. My auntie and uncle lived next to me with my two cousins, and they were, Josh is two years older and then Jazzy was like four years younger. And so we grew up together playing sport in the backyard. But what my grandfather used to do to me, right, he actually is the, the greatest, one of the greatest role models, he and my mum are the greatest role models in my life 
to this day. If I didn't learn the things that I needed to from him before he passed away, I could have gone down another completely different path to what I'm doing sitting here on this podcast right now. Mm-hmm. So he would wake me up. I lived with him, right? And so he'd wake me up at five, quarter past five or whatever. We would ha- I'd have to walk around the back door, go through the back door, go into the next, uh, my auntie's house, go through their back door, wake up my cousin, Josh, and tell him we've got to go. So I'd wake him up, I'd be his alarm, and then we'd jump in the car with, with Koro. Koro means grandfather in Māori, by the way. Um, so we just called him Koro. And he would take us to the beach. This is Malalu Beach in Perth. And we would have to run from the clubhouse, the surf clubhouse, to the point on the left. If you walk out to the beach, turn to the left, you go to the furthest point as far as the eye can see and back without stopping. I'm going to emphasize without stopping. Um, and and that, you were seven. I was seven and Jeez. my cousin was nine and that was five days a week. And then we'd play sport on the weekend. And if it was too rainy or too stormy, we'd go to the park and do sprints. And so we would, this would be non-stop. And he would even say to me, don't stop because I'll know. And he'd walk behind us. And so you could see from a young age, he was cultivating this strong level of discipline within me. And I would get to the end, I would get halfway up the end, and I'm running with Josh, and I'd just be like, Josh, I've got to stop. This is just the once that this happened, because it would only ever happen once, because he caught me. And I said, I've got to stop. And he's like, don't, Cordell will see you, don't stop. And I'm like, no, nah, I can't keep going, I'm buggered. Like, I'm seven years old, and I'm running. We later found out it was 4.4 kilometers. We went back as, an, as adults and ran at 4.4 kilometers. And uh, I stopped, and anyway, he saw me. I don't know how he did. He must have been walking in the sand dunes, and I turned around and was like, as, I was, as we hit the point, came back, he, I was running past him as he was walking back, and then he saw me and sort of ran over to me and kicked me, literally kicked me up the ass and said, you've got to run to the other point now. We'll meet you in the car park when you're done. And so I had to run to the other point, which is like another couple K, and then back, and then we ended up, I was late for school. I bet you didn't do that again. That was the one and only time <laughs> I ever did it. The one and only time I ever did it. But I tell you what, I've never loved someone so much mm. and I think what's you know obviously I know your story and the, kind of the heartbreaking other side of that is that um, your koro isn't around anymore mm. and the you know I, I always find these stories really fascinating but I think it's, it would be really cool for people to hear you know the story of, of his passing and mm. how you what you know if whatever you believe in in this life if it's god source universe whatever the the universe kind of spared you mm. um because you were you would would have died with him really yeah so i was nine by this point um and my mum had already met another man up in the pilbara so she was living in tom price and my sister was born in 96 so she was a couple years old and uh we went it was time for Koro to go up north and mum had organised a job for him up there so we were going to all move up there and uh, drive from Perth to Tom Price but being a nine year old I'm like I want to get on the plane why don't you let me on the plane and, and I was begging him and for him. people that don't know Western Australia there would be like a 16 hour drive yeah, or something non-stop yeah non-stop 16 hours so it's like yeah it's, a, it's crazy so it's a big distance anyway so he wouldn't let me go on the plane for weeks and weeks and weeks I'd ask him and then all of a sudden three days before we were about to go he says yes Three days before, and I didn't, I didn't hesitate. I was like, "Oh my god, this is awesome!" So I was up there. I went up there early, and so he started. He left, departed Perth three days later, and I'm already up there with Mum the day that he was supposed to arrive. And I was getting, I just been dressed, and my Mum was dressing my sister in the lounge room, and the phone rings, and so Mum, Mum goes and gets the phone. She goes, "I remember what she said." She goes, "Oh, this will be Dad." 
which is her father, so Koro. And she went over to the phone, then it was my uncle Jason telling her that um, Koro had passed away. He'd rolled his car and died. And so, like, it makes me really sad thinking about this. Um, she was screaming. Like, and I remember sitting there with my sister going, fuck, what's happened? I'm looking at her, and she's three. Mm. I'm nine. And I'm just like going, shit, what is, what's just happened? And then she was like, I've never seen so much, like, just so much despair and sadness in someone. Mm. Um, and that was marked the moment where I didn't go back to Perth. And I you were stayed. supposed to be in that car and but you weren't. I wasn't in the car. Yeah. And I was, and I, you know, I think I carried a lot of guilt for a long time because what mm. would have happened if I had been in the car with him? I had a rat, a pet rat, and it survived. And I was thinking, geez, I want to know what you saw. So for, for, for me to lose him was like, one, I'm, I'm with this new family. I haven't mm. spent time with this family for years. I'm with my mum and I'm with this, my stepfather, Bevan, and I'm nine and my grandfather's just passed away. And so wouldn't you say like, that would probably be the start of you feeling that emptiness inside of you? That's a good question. You know? That's a good point. Yeah, it is. Like That's exactly it, when it was you know, start. Being that age, we don't have really the words or maybe the brain capacity to be able to really mm. feel or understand those emotions. Mm. And so for you know kids around nine years old, you're in a completely new family. You've just lost the biggest mm. person in your life. You could have lost your own life that's you know one of maybe the parts where the emptiness started as well as your birthday leaving yeah like there was like 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 i had my story one of my friends wrote up a a bit about my story and wrote it up she's a beautiful writer kaylin and so she said the first statement was luca reedy the fatherless um which is pretty it's actually really emotional thinking about it i the first time i've actually been this emotional thinking about it um, where because I never had a connection so my birth dad left my my real dad truly like I caught all he dies and and then now I'm with my stepfather who was never really a dad was my father of my sister um, and I had noticed this separation from that point there was where I was treated differently and mum had always treated me differently because of that to my sister because she could see that I was getting treated differently in that relationship Whereas he tried to take me under his wing, but he wasn't, he was, he had so much shit going on in his life. This is why I'm so passionate about this. He was, it's, he was sexually abused. And that's crazy. Mm, and that came out in, like, the way that he dealt with that was through domestic violence. I didn't know until I was 25, 26, I didn't know. Mm. I just thought this man was just nutty, loopy in the head. Yeah. And I saw, I'd seen him through everything. Like the shit I had seen growing up, protecting my mum from nine till when he finally, they finally split up at 17. When I was 17, that's enough. And I was got big enough to finally protect her. He was just a man struggling with what had happened to him. He used alcohol to really ha- make that happen. And that's what I think a lot of people are dealing with at the moment. Is they're dealing with a lot of their emotional experiences. Why do I, maybe people see all the shit that I'm doing now and they don't realize why I'm so passionate about it. Why all of a sudden he's just got this new spurt to be like, oh, I'm on YouTube now. I've got a podcast all about the emotions and healing, but they don't realize the story. They don't see the shit that has happened in my life to make me so passionate about this. Mm. Swinging off a hockey stick, for instance, was a, one of my memories that hasn't left to protect my mum when my, my stepfather was drunk, trying to beat her up. 
having to call my uncle because my uncle was the only saviour at the time who lived there. He was a very wild street fighter, by the way. Like, no one fucked with Uncle Jason. And he he was the protector of my mum because they lived in the same town. So when he found out that he was beating mum up, he came around and nearly killed him. Um, and to the point where, like, so mum was getting beaten up one night and she's like yelling out to me to go and get the phone to call Uncle Jason. And so I'm nine or 10 at this point and I'm running up the hallway to try and beat my stepfather to the phone. And he, he gets there just after I get there and then he rips it out of my hand and throws it just like, as hard as you can at the ground and smashes into like a thousand different pieces and I'm just sitting there crying trying to save my mum and I couldn't until he could calm down and save and she just had to take it whatever that was she just had to she took on so much shit that's why I am the way I am about emotions that's Mm -hmm. why I am the way I am about being optimistic one because my mum taught me how to be Mm. like I've never met anyone she's a beautiful optimist she's too optimistic some might say (laughs) Like, relentlessly optimistic. And I think as well, like, what you've always um, expressed, I guess, what you've expressed to me is that, you know, Bevit, uh, your stepfather wasn't a horrible person, you know? Mm. Your stepfather was somebody who had been through horrible, horrible circumstances and didn't know how to deal with it, and that came out through domestic violence, which doesn't make it okay but it just shows the power of actually dealing with your freaking emotions because Mm -hmm. if he started to work through that younger, maybe none of that would have happened. But at the same time, you know, we wouldn't be here having those conversations. Yeah, and that's a good point is like, I've learned to, um, I've learned to accept him for, for his for a long time I didn't let's be honest like I've learned to accept him for, for what had happened because mm. it was something that happened to him um, that sounds crazy for a lot of people but that's ultimate forgiveness mm. why carry that burden of hatred against him because there'd be so many people out there that have, would be in situations like that or similar that something has been done to them and so many people have so much rage towards that person that mm. did something to them mm. but like with those people how would you suggest to them to move through such intense heartache from that pain or that wrongness being done to them? Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. And it's, it's a straight away, like people go straight in. They're comfortable with being the victim because they were always the victim when they first got tormented to now talking about it is, is the same state. They've gone from being a victim physically to a victim mentally now. And so what I encourage people to do is to really see why... It's like the older days, put yourself in their shoes. Like, okay, if I was sexually abused and the shit that had happened to him, I won't go into details, but the, the story around how it happened was fucking horrible. If that had happened to me and I had the same genetic structure, the same family structure and everything that, to support me around after that had happened, would I end up in the same what, what way? A hundred percent. Because at that age, you like don't, especially the culture back then wasn't about mm. talking about it. It wasn't about letting it out. Yeah. That's horrible. And I actually feel like I've got to a point now where I feel so much sadness for him because his brother is amazing. Uncle Brad, he was... The funny thing is, is like I took on the, my, his father, his, his mother and his, his brother as my family. Like I wanted so badly to call him dad. It just didn't feel right because mm-hmm. what I'd witnessed. No, like in my, my old experience, my previous experience of a father, 
with Koro was like a, it was just another contrary. So if you can if you can see the 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 experiences and that person as separate and go if this person didn't have those experiences would they be the way they are? And that really opens you up to a whole other way of looking at things. It's mm-hmm. a whole other perspective. They wouldn't be. And so that's what I want people to do. So have empathy for what they've been through. Basically, is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Compassion. Compassion. Yeah, I would say I would say compassion. And I know, like, this is something that we've discussed as well. If that, if all of those circumstances didn't happen to you, you wouldn't be here right now and have gone through the journey of your life to where we are now together, and we're living in Bali and have a lot of beautiful things. Mm-hmm. So to a degree, you almost can be thankful for that, mm. even though it takes a lot to get you to that point. You have to be thankful for it. But, you know, you, so many of the beautiful things in your life wouldn't have happened if you didn't have that. Exactly. those original experiences that created emptiness within, within you. One of the greatest things I preach is to look at the gifts in everything, whether that's problems or power, whether that's pain or pleasure, to look at the gifts in anything. And if I, like something that I tell people that I mentor or clients of mine, I'm like, okay, what's, when I do a lot of story work, okay, I go, what's your greatest pain? And people, some people think that they've accepted it and because for a long time I thought I'd been like, no, no, it's okay, this happened for me, not to me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying, but I had never actually understood it or accepted it. And so deep down I would notice myself talking about it in a victim um, mentality. Mm. And so if you can talk about, say, the greatest thing you've ever done. For me, it was climbing a mountain, a volcano, and camping at the top. I, metaphorically too, but like mm. this has actually happened. We were in Guatemala and I climbed this volcano overnight and we camped at the top and watched sunrise. It was friggin' awesome. That was one of the greatest joys of my life. Can I talk about my greatest pain in the same way as I can talk about it with my greatest joy? Uh, For a long time, no. I can't. And a lot of people can't because when you put it in that context, you realize, oh, I am not over it. Mm -hmm. I haven't forgiven them. And so how do you do that is the key. How do you get to the point where you can talk about it so much that it's the, the great, also another greatest mm. joy in your life, the greatest gift? And that is by processing what had happened. Mm. You've got to see the gifts. If I didn't have these experiences, I'd probably be an accountant or a banking manager or a, like a CEO or a corporate. I don't even know what I'd be. I could, I could be something completely different. Because I have no experience to talk about. I have no story that connects to this passion of mine. Mm. And so, would I want to change that? Hell no. Do I love being in Bali right now and learning and going within myself and doing all the healing modalities and teaching people? Um, Do I love that? I love it so friggin' much. Mm. And I think, to be completely honest, you're still at a point where you are still... You, you still cannot talk about your greatest joys the same as your greatest pain. You're I still getting can't. there. No. Um, and, and to be fair, it's, it's intense. It's mm-hmm. a lot. And I think when you say as well, like you hear people talking about their greatest pain, is, um, it's, not, it's, it's not like invalidating the pain that you went through or invalidating like the emotion that you felt or the experience or the injustice that happened. It's not saying that that was okay. It's just knowing that you've processed it enough to be able to speak of it as well, you know, to be able to share it. Because I think one of the greatest healers in this world is 
having stories, having shared experiences. Mm. Like I heard, we heard this one lady speak once. It's like, you know, we can Google everything now. Like people can go Google how to like heal their emotions, really, if they really wanted to find it. But the only way that's actually going to trigger people to do that or actually relate people enough to be able to move in that direction is being able to relate to other people's stories to inspire them on that journey. And that's why, like, for a long time, I've always, you know, slowly encouraged you to share your story because it is powerful and Mm -hmm. it is painful and it is going to shift people's lives because they're going to see themselves in that. Um, And... I, I'm so proud of you for how far you've come and being able to talk about that. And I think mm. it's you're going to keep processing and do 100%. that more and more and more. And I think, you know, knowing that, you you know, you speaking that you have processed so much and you're at such a good spot, but you're still learning and you're growing. Yeah. Like there, I think with anything, like there's no like end point. It's just a continuous journey. And kind of to, to move from there, I mean, it, it's quite obvious why you had such a feeling of emptiness you know you had so many painful heart aching experiences growing up you know especially being a man in, in Australia or just being a man in this world you're not really allowed to talk about those things you know you just go and have a beer and and uh, you know do some drugs or you know get over it right mm-hmm. um, so what like you know, if we're talking about when you're like going back to when you're 18, mm. moving on from there, like we've touched on this in the last podcast, but you were feeling deep emptiness. And how did you deal with that? And when did you first start to feel those sparks of joy, those sparks of feeling alive? Because I think sometimes we don't realize just with anything, you don't realize what joy is uh, or you don't realize that you're feeling empty until you start to feel joy, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like someone doesn't know that they're blind until they've been given glasses. Yeah, exactly. That's a good question. So to be honest, feeling empty has come from hindsight mm-hmm. where I reflect back because I never felt it at the times, but this is yeah. how I felt it. Yeah. I felt it by comparing myself to... Um, I felt it to, by comparing myself to friends that had a good family. Mm. friends that were going to university and knew what they were going to study. Um, I felt it when people had lunch money to go to school with, and I didn't, had a pack lunch, or I'd steal it, steal money. Um, I felt it when people were really smart at school and I wasn't figuring shit out. That's the way I felt it at that point. It was an emptiness because I didn't, have wholeness in my experiences in my life and so I went to find wholeness outside of myself I went to uh, do smoke marijuana at school Um, I had like I said on my last episode I had my first drink found me at 13 and then I ended up drinking from four I went away to a new year's at 14 with a 10 pack of Jim Beam down to like Coral Bay before I left to New South Wales and then working way up it just didn't stop and I just started smoking weed and then after that happened I started doing ecstasy after that happened I started doing crystal meth after that happened I was doing cocaine and then I was doing all of them and then I was lying to everyone and so I was lying to everyone because I didn't know how to tell the truth to myself I didn't know how to say that this happened for me not to me. I didn't know how to process this shit. Why am I so passionate about what I'm doing now? Because I know how to process this shit now. You can let it go. I 
I found out later in life, like as I'm going through this process of like self-discovery and deceit and lying and substance abuse, I found out later that you can heal it when I was 27 and I did a meditation retreat and I found out that emotions were stuck in the body and that I saw the physical and I felt the physical shift in my body when I had sat still long enough without putting anything into my system, be it a phone, be it alcohol, be it drugs, uh, that's when shit started changing. Mm. Um, And so it wasn't until my late 20s until I started noticing that there was more to this, more to life. And when I started feeling more happiness and more wholeness, right, more alive was only when I was doing these substances or only when I was going to have a Sunday sesh or only when it was the grand final day or only when I'd go up to the Gold Coast for New Year's um, or only when I was going camping and fishing. Now, what's crazy is that's temporary. That's temporary happiness. That's having an end goal in mind. That's going, oh, I'll be good when I go camping next month or I'll be good when I go on a holiday next in, in, in July, six months down the track. Uh, that's not how you live, guys. Like, that's not how you live. Happiness is every day. How do you get mm. to a point where you wake up fucking inspired with joy, knowing what you're here to do in this world? That's happiness. And that's when you don't need the shit outside of yourself. Mm. And that's what feeling alive is about. 100%. Happiness isn't conditional to a, a party or event or a substance or a weekend or a holiday. Yeah. Happiness. That adds to it. That, I mean, yeah, that's, that's amazing. I, yeah. I want to do that shit when I'm not running away from the empty feeling. Yes. When it's cultivated, when it starts inside mm-hmm. and then is outside of yourself. How could I? Like, this happiness. is the thing. Explain this. I'm 13. I have my first drink. Vodka cruiser, guava or whatever it was. Fucking yeah. wild. Yeah, disgusting. <laughs> um, and then it went on and on and on. Red bears, vodka, Smirnoff Black, beers. And then I started getting into the, the drugs, right? How can I go from drinking alcohol from 13 to 28 and then go one year without needing it? How does that happen? Mm. I healed shit. I made sense of my past. I processed shit. Mm. And then I realized... I don't need fucking alcohol. Mm. I'm perfect without it. Mm. That's That explains why I do this. That's why I wanted to do that podcast. Mm. People out there struggling with anxiety, with depression, while they're drinking alcohol. Mm. Yeah? Why they're adding to their pain with a cigarette, with shitty food, with uh, drugs. And they go, I wonder why I can't sleep properly. Mm. I fucking know why you can't sleep properly because you're not being true to yourself. Mm. You want to talk to me about you can't sleep? Well, we won't even look at what you eat and what you sleep until we've looked at what your fucking story is. Mm. I think that's something really powerful that you didn't actually touch on in the last episode. 40 Just... Winks can have that audio for my for their next advertisement. <laughs> Bedshed, whatever. Take oh that audio God. and use that in your advertisement. No, let, me, let me finish. Let me finish. Um, <laughs> I think that's really powerful the way that you said that because I relate to that. The, the, the way that you put that and someone could just go, you know, what we talked about the last episode is you just went a year without alcohol. People go, oh, fuck, I can't do that. That's not me. There's mm. no way. But people, the way that you emphasize that, people don't realize you went from 13 to 28 using alcohol as a crutch for your I mean, it feeling. wasn't every day at 13. It wasn't every yeah. day, yeah. yeah. But you used it as a reason to, you know, have happiness, have joy. You 
abused it in some circumstances. You weren't an addict, but you were heavily, you know, reliant on alcohol. Dependent. Dependent on alcohol. And then you went a year without it. And mm. so... Maybe longer now. It may be longer. And like, that's the thing. Like, that people separate themselves because the, this is, you know, and I relate to this so much because, you know, on my journey to becoming an Olympian, people see that now, but they don't know what I was like at 13, how little mm. self-confidence I had, how ridiculous it is that I actually was able to do that. And people just think that those things are impossible for them and they put that outside of their potentiality when that is the possibility for all of us. If we just start to go in the right direction and take steps in the right direction and freaking believe in ourselves and be surrounded by the right environment, like that is a possibility for everyone, whether it be a year alcohol-free after you've been relying on alcohol for 15 years whether it be being an olympian you know when mm. you are a girl that struggled with her self-confidence and self-love you know and body image and weight mm. growing up like yeah. your potentiality in this lifetime is limitless mm -hmm. with the right tools uh -huh. um and Absolutely. and that's you know i, I just went on a tangent because that but, well, just look, let's look excited. at let's look at you let's turn it around on you for a second uh -oh. now <laughs> Your big message is self-love and removing mm. limiting self-beliefs as the obstacle to your pure potential. You didn't use alcohol the way I did. You no, used no, food. No. 100%. You used food. This is the dependency relationship. It doesn't matter whether I used alcohol. I only used alcohol because it was in my environment mm. and that's what I saw. Um, and whether it was if my environment was the same as yours and I had the same experiences and I, but there was no alcohol involved, then I would use what I saw around me. Mm. That's food. <clears throat> and the difference is, while we don't have more heroin addicts, is because heroin's less acceptable. Mm. We have more heart disease than deaths of heroin addicts because food is more acceptable. 100%. So people use food to yeah. deal with their emotions. You why do you think we have heart disease? Because people, don't, people aren't judged that heavily as much as they were if they were a heroin addict or an alcoholic. Because of, because of their addictions. Food is an addiction 100%. if you don't know how to control it or you're not dependent on it. And you know, like, you can go a year without alcohol, but, I mean, it is possible if anyone <laughs> you wants You can't to, do a year without food, I you, get it. You can, actually, because if you look into breatharianism, well, yeah, that's yeah, like a actually, whole different yeah, thing. You can do a There's year no without food. Can't. But for the most part, you know, you do need food as a sense of substance mm -hmm. if that is your personal truth. Um, yes, and but it's so do much. you need McDonald's? No. No. No one's dependent on McDonald's. You're dependent on feeling something greater within yourself. You're mm -hmm. dependent on feeling more wholeness. Mm -hmm. But McDonald's ain't going to do that shit at all. Go and eat a salad that you made at home. Doesn't sound appealing, but I tell you when you start working on your emotions and your mental health, you start worrying about your physical health more and more and more. And it, it transverses and it just, it, mm. it, it's like you're cloning the health of your mental health, it's all connected. The mental, the spiritual, the emotional, the physical health, they're all the same thing. Mm. And I think we've gotten to this point as well too, where we can do this because, uh, and, and, and live out our purpose and live out our, our passions because we do have our health, mm -hmm. you know? We're not the healthiest people in the entire world. We're both plant-based, we're both vegan, we both exercise and do a lot of good things for ourselves. Celery juice. Celery juice this morning. Um, but we do have our health and that's, you know, health is the number one. Mm. And your health was compromised 
with your drug and alcohol abuse. My health is compromised with my overeating and binge eating tendencies and we've gotten a handle on that. So now that we're able to do these things beyond. So I think I as well for a message for people, if you want to do something grander in your life and access your full potential, getting your health sorted is first. We've totally mm-hmm. gone on a tangent here. Um, but when you say like your, uh, you know, you said my big thing was self-love, but I know a big realization you had about six months ago was your own self-love, which is not something that we Mm. talk about a lot with men. You know, women are like, self-love, self-love, self-love. It's very Mm. accepted. But self-love is a universal thing. It is a being thing. And it shouldn't be just, you know... uh, targeted off for women like would what how has self-love for you helped you on your journey of accessing a feeling of aliveness within you yeah you know for a long time i didn't actually understand what self-love was Mm. i just thought it was like nice fluffy quotes you say to yourself in the mirror it's actually the how much you appreciate yourself how much you care for yourself how much you do not rely on the words and praises and thoughts of those around you to make you feel whole. Self-love is just literally that. It's just loving yourself more, appreciating yourself more, being more grateful for who you are. Now, if I am to help many people on my journey listening to podcasts, if if I don't have the mental health, the physical health, the emotional health, the spiritual health every day, I can't mentor and coach people. I can't rock up and speak. I can't do these podcasts and organize these podcasts and run this business because I'm not physically or emotionally capable. Mm. So self-love is literally that. Making sure you are capable to show up in your true self with power. Mm. How do I feel more alive? By my morning meditation practice. How I... um, will eat, choose to eat healthy. I'll choose to drink the right water, not just any water, like good water. Um, I will say no to certain things that are going to make, jeopardize my health. For instance, um, like we might not even eat fried foods or like go out for heavy fried foods or we might not drink or um, we choose not to be around certain people too in certain environments because the emotional tax, the mental taxing of that biochemically changes everything within our Mm. body we feel it in our body we don't show it but we feel it energetically we feel it so self-love is just taking care of myself Mm. in that sense in any way i my biggest one is just morning practice get up and i meditate i connect i stretch my move like moving in some way shape or form i'm doing my kundalini kriyas right now to get my energetic body in alignment Mm. Um, i'll go for a run we go for a morning walk. Some days we change it up and we'll just get straight up out of bed, go for a walk, do mm. lymphatic drainage, read, learn, whatever it is. Mm. That's self-love. And I think what's interesting too in, in the way that you're describing that is your practices, your main pillars of self-love, which you now have in your life, which have made you feel more alive, is the reason why you started this podcast right the reason why you started this podcast was because you found these um pillar points that really allowed your life to feel like you were shining again Mm. and you wanted to share that and since it's pivoted which you know we can talk about as well because your life has pivoted but your basis of self-love is in those five pillar points which are movement 
Medicine. <laughs> Medicine, men, movement, mission, migraine. Yeah. There's five pillars. The, the area, the program that I already run, I ran a test program with uh, seven guys late last year. That was amazing. So I taught them the fundamentals under each pillar to help them to start feel more alive. That's basically it, right? The five to alive program. Um, I'm pausing that because I've got, it's not giving me a, I'm not pushing on it and I'm not forcing anything that's not quite currently in flow. The podcast and all this, the mentoring is in flow right now. So I'm going to bring that out and probably restructure it later on this year. But the essence of that was how did I get from doing crystal meth, smoking ciggies, mm. doing cocaine, drinking a lot, but still maintaining, like I'm going to just add this in here. I wasn't an addict. I was dependent. Yes. Um, it was like a good time wasn't around until I had that. So I would be able to hold a normal job. I had a great paying job, paid for all the drugs and alcohol and the experiences that I had. Um, however, um, how did I get from there to sitting here talking the way I'm talking now? Mm. Like first, I had to cross this big bridge of fear of um, judgment. Like what's people going to think of me? That was a big one. There was looking at my journey, there was five key areas that I had to change. That's the five to a live program, the five pillars. The first one I had to change was uh, medicine. I had to stop eating the shit or putting the toxic shit in my body. That's when I went plant-based. I started looking at like tonics, um, herbal medicines and all the things, the different water that I put in my body. Instead of drinking tap water, I started drinking spring water, mineral water, actually water that works with the body. Now we drink kangen water. Um, that's the first one. And then, you know, it's also not about what putting in, it's what you're eliminating. So I was eliminating the drugs, the cigarettes, the, the mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals, the toxic skin lotions and all that shit went natural. And then you look at, okay, what was the next one? Mend. Mend's the big one. Mending's the energe- mending the energetic body, healing the pain of our past so we can step into our power. So I had to go through all the different breath work techniques, the meditations, the yoga, the energy healing. I spent like eight months with an energy healer doing energy medicine work. That was transformational. My mum's a Reiki practitioner, moving energy through the body. That was huge, right? So then that I did a lot of that. That helped me shift. The next one was move. I stopped moving so uh, against my body, like bicep curls. This is the I always use this example. It's like, what good are bicep curls? <laughs> Honestly, if you're sitting in front of a mirror and you're doing bicep curls, we all know you're looking at your biceps. You're not looking at your 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 bloody. Well, maybe you are looking at your technique but nine times out of ten you're really there to look how big your muscles are and go oh they're getting bigger that that there is trying to make you feel greater you're trying to get that recognition that external recognition because you were you never got it you were abandoned or you were neglected growing up where i started to shift was all right how do i how my hips are tight i can't sit cross-legged or how do i get my hips open all right i'm going to start more natural movement i'm going to start running in nature i'm going to start yeah, doing weights, but I'm not going to do it with the need of like a bicep curl so that my arms look big in a t-shirt, which I did for a long time, by the way. And so I started shifting how I move. I, I believe everyone should start moving more in nature, get what's called vitamin G, the, the 15th, 14th vitamin, which is the ground, earth, the ion exchange, ionic exchange from the earth, whether that's rain, ocean water, or the barefoot on the earth. Do that. Get out there. Do it. Um, <clears throat> there's actually a book called Forest Bathing on that a Japanese doctor a Chinese or Japanese doctor um, r- studied the effects of being in nature mm. on the body it's crazy there's also documentaries on grounding which you can earthing watch earthing grounding yeah. there's earthing mats grounding mats 
to get the reduce the inflammation. Um, and then, so the next one is mission. So you've got move, the three, the three pillars already, and then you've got mission. So this is finding out who you are. I worked with a life coach. I figured out my values, which I didn't know my whole life. What do you value? People go, I value love and trust. No bullshit, you don't. Because <laughs> you don't go buy love and trust. <laughs> you don't buy love and trust. That's inherent in you. You have to figure out what you actually value. Is it holistic health? Is it spirituality? Is mm. it personal development? What do you buy outside of yourself that shows, that represents your values? And when you know your values, you know how to say no. You simply know how to say no. I didn't know how to say no for ages. So I'd be like, yeah, okay. Or I'd have to have an excuse to say no. Because mm. I didn't know who I was. So I figured that out. I got more of my purpose, got more of my mission, understand what success truly means to me. That broke through sh- barricades for me. That's when I started shifting. But then the next one, the fifth pillar, is migration. I had to shift from an old environment, the old Luca, the old person who had all those different beliefs and experiences, the old friend group. I had to get out of that. The old workplace, I had to get out of that. And so you shift into the new environment. You move like a flock of birds. You move like a herd of elephants. You, you move, you migrate. And at a certain period in your life, you will. And that's what I ended up doing. That's where I am now. Now, that's not saying you have to run away and judge those, that people or that experience or that environment. You have to accept that experience, that people, those people in that environment because they got you to where you are now. Mm. And now it's your turn to help them. Mm. It's your turn to show them the light. It's your turn to say, hey, over here, guys, it's much better. This room has an air con. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, this house has a pool. Don't stop swimming in the shitty creek. Like, come over here, guys. Um, and they're the areas that I changed to feel more alive. Mm. When I started doing that, I changed my environment. They say, change your, show me your top five friends and I'll show you your future. And also, I read a quote the other day in this book that I'm reading, was like, you are the representation of the top 20%. So your bank account, I can't remember, I'm probably ruining the quote here, but it was like, your bank account is in, within 20% of the top five people you hang around. Mm. Damn, Damn, I want to be a millionaire. I'm not kidding, guys. Like, I want to be wealthy, but I don't want to be the the wealthy guy that wanted to be doing it for his own good. I want to be the wealthy guy now doing it for everyone's good, mm. to share that money, to not only, like, have a big bank balance, but have a big heart and mm. big generosity. 100%. Because that's the balance of gift and receive. Yeah, and I think that'd be really interesting to talk about on uh, another podcast, maybe, like, you know what we've been shifting in our life is the stigma around financial abundance and you know that people that are wealthy are bad we're changing that um but as well like with your migration you know what happened was like me and luca were living in perth and we felt the call to bali we just knew that we had to move here because there's it's an environment that we like to be in. There's a lot of vegan food. There's a lot of inspiring people. We wanted to surround ourselves with people that we wanted to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, so we literally moved our environment to do that. Not everyone can do that. I completely understand. I don't hang around people that drink mm. anymore. Not because um, I'm rejecting them, but because they're not in my environment anymore. So mm. I don't have to go out and drink. We hang around, like we've made a good friend who earns up to sixty to $80,000 a month doesn't drink plant-based, loves business, loves spirituality, loves emotional healing, loves... Loves a joke. Loves a freaking joke. He's hilarious. Joke. He's hilarious. <laughs> and it's 
the environment that we've chosen to be in. Environment is so important. I think that this is why, like, you know, if you, whoever you follow, or like whether it be people on social media that are influencers or it be celebrities, you'll notice that all of their friends are also like influencers or celebrities or people that are in the same income bracket because their yeah. environment is a reflection of who they are. 100%. And that doesn't mean that people that are at different levels are bad, you know? Not, not at all. Not at all. But if you want to be surrounded by people that you want to be like, and now, like I was literally thinking this morning, holy shit, you know, I follow a lot of people on social media and a lot of my friends are doing inspiring stuff. They're either training for the Olympics, they're running events around Australia, they're writing books, they're yeah. running online programs, yeah, they're doing podcasts. Like these are I my friends I didn't know these people now. a year ago. I didn't know these people a year ago. I didn't know these people a year and a half ago. I was around regular old Australian folk, which are beautiful, beautiful human beings, but that's not the life that I wanted. That's not the life that I wanted to choose for myself and not, nor the life that you wanted to yeah, choose for yourself. Exactly. So I think that that's, you know, really important and it's not as hard to change your environment as people think that it is. You know, people like create this as a massive barricade for themselves. We're not saying you have to move to Bali, but the world that we're living in has so many different events um, and there's so many people out there that are creating communities offline, which is what people are craving to be able to find your people. You just have to be courageous enough to go out there and search for them, mm -hmm. you know, and bring your friends along that's that are in your old courage. environment so we can all uprise together. Yeah, that's the courage. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, you want to you, you want to really make sure that when you do leave that environment, you're not leaving with resentment of where you've oh, come God, from. At all. Leave with love. Uh, and what will happen is if you focus everything on just yourself, people think that's selfish, it's actually not. Because when you heal, you heal others. Mm. What happens is friends, the old friend group, if they're meant to, they will see that light and they'll go, I want some of what he's having. Mm. I want that medicine. That medicine is pure joy and abundance from the universe, from the environment, from nature, whatever it is. Mm. It comes from outside of ourselves just as much as it comes from within ourselves. Mm. But you gotta take the courage to go and find that first. But the first thing is, is you gotta start figuring out who you are, make sense of where you've come from. Yeah. That's every, everything I do is about finding wholeness, found, feeling alive from within. This podcast, the interviews, yeah. everything is that. You can't just go and leave because if you're not if you're not figuring out who you are and doing those fundamentals first, um, healing, and you won't be able. You'll just leave the environment and find the same environment exactly. because it's an energetic frequency. The emotions carry something inside of you that it's. If you care, everyone's watched The Secret. It was a blessing because we get to explain it to people because that's it's well so well known. But the essence of of the law of attraction is energy. Gratitude is a feeling. Feelings carry something, a frequency from outside, from inside all the way outside. And it's like they're linking up with something of the same frequency. When you talk about Murphy's Law, Murphy's Law is what you think can go wrong will go wrong. That is no different to the Law of Attraction. You're just matching frequencies. People in the, use the Law of Attraction to manifest houses, abundance, jobs, careers, relationships, whatever. They get that if they carry that frequency, they will get it. Yeah, mm -hmm. which comes back to gratitude because you've got to appreciate where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. That's all the essence of the law of attraction. If you have this same frequency of your past experience, say in my case it was anger, frustration, resentment, 
I was only going to attract the same experiences no matter where I went. I left from New South Wales to uh, Perth. Did my experience? Did my life change? Not really. Had the same same general experiences. So if you really want to transform your life, transform your story. Mm. That's really beautiful. And one point I want to make too on environment is that you know maybe when you start to shift your environment that for lack of a better word the toxic people will fall away and the true friends will keep on supporting you and cheering you on even if they're not yeah. in that same realm you know because we have friends as well on both sides of in Australia and Canada that aren't doing what we're doing but all they do is cheer us on and all mm-hmm. they do is excite uh, are excited for us and that's also really beautiful so I think that people need to remember that when they're shifting environments yeah. too. the true people will stick with you and you love them and if your heart's well. in the right space if your intentions yeah. in the right space it doesn't matter Mm. No, it, that's felt, that's seen. You know when you see someone, you're just like, that's such a beautiful person. Like you just mm. meet someone and you're like, far out. Mm. Just such a good person. Mm. And when you see someone who's got like a lot of anger or a lot of resentment in them, you're like, oh, he's got a bit of a, he's a bit of aggressive. He's got a bit of anger in there, doesn't he? Mm. Or she, or whatever it is. Like they're a bit, they're a bit loud and obnoxious. Mm. Not, not saying that all loud and obnoxious people have issues, but I'm just saying like, Maybe I didn't explain it that perfectly for, for that situation, but you get the gist is you feel the energy that someone mm. carries. Good vibe, bad vibe, we all say it. It's a vibration, yeah. which is a frequency. So, mm. yeah. I think, and bringing it like back to, you know, you're feeling alive as well that came from shifting environments and, and following those five modules. Uh, sorry, not modules, but like different areas yes. that you explained. But I think as well, which is kind of weaved through all of that, is you developing your deep sense of self-knowing. Your self-knowing to be able to figure out what the frick you want to do, where you want to go, um, who you want to be around, and, and what is the mission that you're trying to, try, uh, you're the mission that you are creating. Mm-hmm. And that self-knowing has helped you create this podcast, shift this yeah, podcast, yeah, yeah. find those people that you want to bring forward. Um, and how do people develop that sense of self-knowing, that self-awareness mm-hmm. to be able to identify that? Because so many people are in places of like, I don't, I don't, I just don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I know exactly how to do it. Cultivate self-awareness. Yeah, but the, what's that mean though? I'll Cultivate tell you. I'll tell you, yeah. Okay, thank yeah. you. Cultivating self-awareness is the thing that you should be doing first. It's knowing when you're angry, knowing when you're happy, knowing when you're full, knowing when you've got an ache in your body. It's knowing when you're spending too much time on the phone. It's knowing when you're spending, uh, it's knowing when you ignore someone in a conversation or knowing when you daydream in a conversation. These are the, this is the basic tool. If you don't have self-awareness of yourself, right? Awareness of the self, how are you supposed to know what you're here for? You expect someone else to tell you? Like, do you think someone's going to come up and say, hey, like, let's say Jesus rolls in, knocks on your door, says, yo, Sally, you're up. And she's like, she's like, what, for what? what? What am I here to do? Like, you're going to be a, the most amazing motivational speaker and you're going to change the world. Are you ready? She gets out of bed. It's already late. It's 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. Slept in through past her alarm. 
because she doesn't have a practice, a morning practice. No, Jesus ain't going to roll into your door and tell you that your fucking mission's <laughs> ready for you. Story. <laughs> you are going to tell you what your story is. You are going to tell you what mm-hmm. your mission is. But you don't know who you are because you can't pay attention to yourself because you have so many external substances, external distractions stopping you from knowing who you truly are. Get off the phone, go meditate. Get off the phone, go to the beach and walk on the beach with no headphones. Try that. Mm. Put your phone at home. Try and focus on which toes touching the sand. Which toes reaching the sand first. Focus on the breath. Go to an ocean swim and actually go under the water and hear nothing mm. for once. Because you've always got a TV, you've always got something going on. Multitasking is out the door. Don't friggin' multitask. That is the quickest way I'm looking at Danielle right now because I tell her off for this in the nicest possible way. Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, she, I think what was the last time I did was you were exercising watching Instagram. I was doing a plank and I watch Instagram stories sometimes when I'm doing exercise because it makes it go by faster. And then he gave me this whole talk on it and then we had this whole conversation. I'll tell you why. This is my thoughts on it. And I tell you, I'm not going to sit... I only tell you this in person the way I do because this is our job. This is our... Our job is... Our passion is to help others shift in huge ways. Yeah. So the reason why I want to do this with us is to practice this is because how are we going to preach to people and tell people the right way if we don't practice it behind doors? Because what matters happens when the doors are closed, right? And so when you actually on your phone and you're really good at this, like I'm not like this is the one case. This is probably the only case that you do this. Like you're really good at this, but it's the one it's one case too many because we're trying to cultivate self-awareness, a deep knowing of who we are. Mm. And we want to 10 X ourselves. We we, want to 10 X this shit. Yeah. This is what we said. Like me and Luca want to be, do everything to not the extreme to the best of our abilities, because if we're going to go and share and inspire and try and help people, we need to be freaking embodying and walking. Exactly. So if you're on your phone and you're exercising or you're listening to music, I'm not saying not listening to music is good, but if you're listening to a podcast or you're watching story, we have to engage and you can't like sort of disengage, then you're not actually focusing on how your body feels or your hips might not be up. Um, And I think this comes back to like my grandfather, honestly, because he was very disciplined and this is where I get it from, is that how do you know what your body's actually doing? You could like, you're, you're trying to get away from the pain or the discomfort by going into something else and taking your time away from it. The pain is the purpose here. Mm. The pain is the purpose, is that knowing yourself is the point. So, And I think the, a really great way to cultivate self-awareness, which is what I actually talk about in my book, is having mirrors in your life. Mm. Holding a mirror up to yourself. And if you cannot do that, having someone else hold that mirror up to you for you. Mm-hmm. And in a loving way, um, you know, me and Luca yeah, do that. Way for each other a lot and bringing something up, being like, I've noticed this in you um, and it can hurt. Like when he said that at first, like I was really annoyed. I was like, don't you tell me what to do. I, I've trained, you know, so many I'm hours. I'm an Olympian. I'm an Who are you to tell me what to do and how to <laughs> And I'm like, I've spent hours and hours and hours in pain so I can freaking do a minute plank and watch an Instagram story if I want, which like it, it my ego flared up, you know, mm-hmm. which is like, I explained this, in my book as well but then going back into my own space and in my own time I was like you know what he was he was actually right 
Um, and if you are wanting to cultivate deeper self-awareness for yourself, what I understand that you're saying and what I believe is create space for yourself and create mirrors. You know, mm-hmm. ask yourself hard questions. Yeah, 100%. If you are stepping up to your greatest ability, if you're being the best person that you can, and if you don't know the answer to that, or if you don't know how to do that, get someone who you love and trust yeah. to reflect those questions back yeah, at you. that's it. And that Are we willing to do that? That's the thing. Yes. That's the thing is that the mirrors, is a, we've actually got mirrors in every situation. A lot of people don't like it though. Mm-hmm. Um, and they think that the other person is the problem, but the mirrors are actually showing you the greatest tool for you to become your best self. They give you the glimpses into um, your, your best version, your mission, your path. But people don't want to listen so deeply and go, do I do that in my life? Mm. I, I literally created an ebook and a five-day free course on this shit to realize that everything outside of yourself is within yourself. How do I change so quickly in my life? This is, this is for real. How have I changed so quickly in my life? Is because I'm willing to look what's outside of myself to find where it is inside myself. Mm. This is the law of attraction. People outside of you are within you. It's the law of vibration. So if someone has shitted you off, someone annoys you, someone has anger, find out where you do that in your life. Find out where it's come from in your life because if you react emotionally, this is why self-awareness is important, to determine whether you are actually aware, aware, not figuring out later at night when you're journaling that, oh, I got angry today. It's knowing you got angry in that moment and breathing through it and going, okay, what's this situation? I didn't have self-awareness at a point to realize that in my life. Now I do. When I get slightly frustrated, which I still do at certain things, I go, okay, this is not about them. This is about me. What's here for me? I practice, you talk about 10X, I teach people this shit. I need to know how to do it. And I need to know that it works. And it does. Because I'm mm. sitting here living proof of it. Mm. And what are the benefits of that? Like, you know, if sometimes we can talk about this and like people are like, oh God, that sounds horrible. Like, yeah. why would I want to do yeah, that? Yeah. Why is it good to cultivate self-awareness oh and self-knowing? It's so good. It's so <laughs> good. Believe me. i tell you why it's good. Whatever your goal is in life, say... For us, we're, not everyone has to be entrepreneurs, not everyone has to be businessmen, not everyone has to be like successful. But for us, we want to have an abundant life. We want to be able to travel. We want to be able to have a nice house. We want to be able to have um, the ability to create a successful business. That requires money. That's the physical manifestation of what we need, right? When you shift shit inside you and you're no longer... Ch- like by doing this work, when you're no longer attracting the experiences that are challenging you or stopping you, preventing you from going forward because you're not willing to look at them and, and learn from them, when you do that work and when you learn from them, you get closer. It's like you open another door that leads you down your path instead of like the door being locked and the keys being key being in the, in the middle of the paddock, a thousand acre paddock. Now you've got the key because it's come to you. The person in front of you was the key all along. Listen to them, watch them, let them open the door for you. If, as long as you observe them, that's the benefit is you get to open the door to your destiny. Mm, that's beautiful. And I think that's so tangible for people too because, yeah, like you can go to weekend conferences and retreats and Tony Robbins and all yeah. that. And I love that stuff. And you can listen to podcasts. But if you really want to up level yourself in your life every single day, yeah. take a 
take stock at your experiences around you and how you can improve in those little instances. Yeah. Because that is your greatest teacher. Totally. Going to events, going to retreats, listening to podcasts, reading books, it's amazing. But if you want to do it in every instance and every day and yeah. in your greatest capacity, it is there for you every morning when you wake totally. up. Well, people think, right, that... Um, I mean, there's a few things here I want to talk about, but I've sort of... I'm like, geez, which one's important? Okay, <laughs> so, so like, not, ev- not everyone thinks emotions are as sexy as we do. <laughs> Right? Like, we love understanding emotion. It's not comfortable yeah. when we're going through it. But at the end, the benefit is, oh, my God, I feel so much better. I feel so lighter. Mm. People think that when you go down this self-development journey, okay, personal development journey, whatever, that it's, there's, there's only a specific outcome, and that is thinking seriously about life, thinking deeply about life where you lose touch of, like, going down the pub for a beer. Go down the pub for a beer when you've done the work. That is amazing because you'll be just as happy as before you got there is just as happy after, right? You don't want to be sort of shitty before you get to the pub and then, and then better after. You want to be great before, great after. Mm. That's why it's important to do the work. But not everyone has to be a self-development master or someone interested in self-development to make this work for them or to make this beneficial to them. If you want to be a parent, right, just a good parent, you can do this work and be the best parent possible and have so much joy. And not only that, is stop transferring the shit of your generational past, your parents' past, your grandparents' past that you've experienced onto your children. You can stop it right there. Stop carrying that shit and stop passing that shit on. It's up mm. to you. That's why it's important to do this work. Not just because if you want a successful business or you want to just be successful, mm. just to be lighter and stop being angry at people. Like be a good, good person. Yeah. Actually like love, love people. Yeah, that's what this world needs. Mm, 100%. And it enhances all of the relationships in your life, really. Like, I don't think my relationships would be so great right now if I had done this work. Mm. I would hate to think, hate's a strong word. I would, actually, you know what, I'm interested. I'm interested to see where I would still, where I would be now if I hadn't found meditation in that first instance that made that click Mm. or read those books that I was reading. If you want a good book to read, read The Alchemist. That's by Paulo Coelho. That was one of the books that really mm. hit me. The first book I ever read was actually Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Funny enough. Wow. Um, there's so many good books. There's so many good books, but there's some good books that I read in my journey. Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a good one because that changed me. That, that um, got me to thinking on belief systems in yeah. parents. Um, and that ultimately led Robert Kiyosaki to be one of the richest people in the world. Um, what I like about Paulo Coelho and The Alchemist is the story, it's like the hero's journey, is mm. like not giving up in the darkest hour because, and then realizing that everyone in your life played a perfect role to get into the point of discovering treasure. Mm. Um, I won't give away the whole book because they'll probably ruin it for you, but like read those, read mm. these books. They were two books that changed my life. It's all about the belief systems and it's all about not giving up, persistence. Mm. And, and adjusting your story and healing your shit. Yeah. I think which is the belief system at its essence. Yeah. So you are, you, you've cultivated belief systems based on your experiences. Because mm. if you didn't have that experience, you wouldn't believe it to be true. Mm. Right? 100%. So wrapping up, if... A gift? A gift? Yeah, you're wrapping up a gift. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I get a gift? <laughs> um, wrapping up, what would you say, how would you suggest for people 
to go from feeling empty to feeling alive in their own life? What can they do tomorrow, next week? I and and putting a, a like what well, condition I guess on this like you know nothing's perfect there's not there's never going to be like a three perfect steps to like enhance yeah, your life to like change we, your life these like are the three only steps yeah you can like do. we like to do that in a marketing sense you know not we the world does but it's also nice to have some tangible takeaways like what would you suggest to people if they are feeling empty and they want to feel better they want to feel freaking mm. joyous they want to feel alive what are three things that they can do in this coming week three to things feel and access that more for themselves Mm, that's beautiful okay first thing is you're going to want to look at your habits okay so make a list of what what something the the things that maybe that like make okay make a list of the top three things that um are not making you feel good and that that come from outside of yourself whether that's alcohol whether that's food now, you're going to look at those and you're going to stop doing those three things, whether that's a cigarette, whether that's alcohol, whether that's McDonald's. You're going to stop doing those three things for a cup, for say Monday to Friday, five days. See if you can do that. Then what you're going to do is you're going to reach out to a friend or a family member that, that lets you, that understands you, that one, like there's one person that you're really close to and that you can speak with. And I want you to tell them what you're doing. For five days, I'm going to take away the three things that don't make me feel good. Mm. Then they're going to hold you accountable to that. And you're going to talk to them about that journey. You're a good mate. I talk about it as Mad Dog, right? Last episode was my mate Blair, Mad Dog. He's the guy that I can speak to who's not in the, like, is not, probably not where, like, some of the other friends that I have, like, he's just one of my solid mates. Mm. He doesn't talk, we don't talk about spirituality together. I have other friends that talk about spirituality, but he knows me from my journey as a 20-year-old to now. He's been through that all that shit with me. So you get that one mate that you can talk about anything to without being scared. Family member, whatever. And you tell them what you're doing. And then what you're going to go do is you're going to go to the park, you're going to go to the beach, to a forest, whatever it is around you, and you're going to take your shoes off, and you're going to take everything away from you, your phone, whatever it is, um, and you're going to be present in that moment. Okay, well... They're the three Half things. Half the world is in winter right now, so yeah. If you can't okay. take your shoes off in the snow, if you can't take your shoes off in the snow, for those Canadians listening, <laughs> um, just go out in the snow. Mm. Go out in the snow and breathe it in. Mm. Breathe in nature. Breathe in. Check out the snow. Observe it. Touch it in your hands if you want. Lick it. Whatever. Just connect with it. You can still get many benefits from just seeing the peacefulness in it. Mm. Um, I'm, my mind was like, oh, okay, what are the Australians doing right now? They're going to the beach. Yeah. So it's like 6.30 p.m. and the sun's setting, go to the beach, watch it, and don't touch any electronic device or whatever it is. Don't listen to anything and just observe it. Observe what the colors are, observe what the senses are, use all five senses mm. and just be at peace. That's meditation. Mm. Meditation, people think you've got to sit cross-legged and hum fucking mantras for like an oh. hour. Um, no. Okay, yes, that well, is meditation. Yeah. Yes, I do it's do that. The only way. But meditation is a way of being. It's cultivating inner peace in every moment. You can be walking and be meditating because you're focusing on the present moment. You're not in the future, you're not in the past. So when you go to the beach or you go out into nature in this on that final exercise, actually be there. 
Don't be in the past. Don't just like for once, stop worrying. Stop being anxious. Stop being sad. Just be there and accept everything is that is in front of you as something that you've created. Mm. That's the top three things to feel love. And I guarantee you what you'll notice is you'll see a huge difference. One, by taking away those toxins and two, by finding stillness, you're going to notice something shift in you. Mm. But actually, let me know what you found by reaching out to me. You can email me at feelalive at lucareedy.com. Mm. Hit me up on Instagram at lucareedy and tell me how this went for you. So take away what's toxic in your life. For five habits. days. Top five three days. things that are toxic. Declare to someone that you're doing this and go get in nature. Yep. Three ways to get from if, feeling empty to, to feeling, feeling alive. alive. And if you can't take away three things or like cigarettes was enough, just take that away. Just best. take that away. Just do your best. It's not like three is probably a bit gnarly for some people that have like a bit of dependency. Yeah. And, and if you need support, things. let me know. Just yeah. me, email me. Say, yeah. what was your challenge? What do you need help with? Whatever it is. That's really beautiful. Thank you for um, being so vulnerable and sharing your story. I know that sometimes when we talk about these things, you still have hesitancy mm. um, because it's not, they're not easy conversations. Um, especially the stuff that we're talking about at the beginning. But like I said, I think it's so powerful for people to be able to connect to, to um, see themselves and to resonate with you and to see how they can make changes in their life because the ability to feel joyous and happy every single day is a possibility for every single person. And I know that that's one of the many things that you're trying to get across in this podcast. and impact as many people with that. mm yeah so thank you so much no worries um, thank you for this. asking beautiful questions very you're gonna do you're gonna do me out of a job I know oh so fun fact okay so I, I <laughs> fun fact fun I'm fact. feeling alive <laughs> podcast <laughs> with, is with... gonna be feeling alive with Danielle Kettlewell <laughs> fun fact is uh, I'm shifting out now they've just the office people have booted me yeah. out she's so, taking the lead role okay no well no fun fact is um I think Luca does a great job at interviewing, and I actually called him. Um, we love Oprah, you know. I observe Oprah's interview yeah. techniques. And so I called him Luke Oprah, and I was like, you are Luke Oprah. And we had this joke <laughs> that he's like the love child of Oprah and Deepak Chopra. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Oprah. Hey, mommy. Like hey, daddy. The ultimate, I feel like that's like the ultimate combination of human beings. It's like you would be amazing if that's you funny. were Luke, if truly. Yeah, I mean, it's the greatest here. compliment. Yeah, Thank you, darling. You are Luke Oprah, so I won't take I'll that take, away from you. No, but don't I, take I, I really like these sessions. I think, I hope they keep going. Yeah, well, we And I hope that people, that. like, if you guys enjoy them, please let us know too, because um, it's fun for us to do. And I, I think that we create a really good dialogue and. Um, I think I, I think that it'll become more of a thing. So it is going to be more of a thing. I think we do these weekly. Beautiful. I'm excited. Yeah, we'll pick a topic. If you want something for us to talk about, from our own experiences, one is Danielle being an Olympian and going through her battle to get to that journey um, of becoming an Olympian, and one of my experiences of Luca Reedy the fatherless, as my friend wrote. wrote <laughs> and like you know, our experiences of being on this journey and living in Bali, following our passion, is as well as being in a relationship and how we kind of came together too that's a that's a an interesting story and something that we're continuously navigating um but um we'd love to share yep we're an open book 100 percent. thank you so much again for, have a beautiful day doing, souls yeah thank you so much for you danielle you. doing this with me today really good 
co-host. Thank you. Soon to be host, I guess, <laughs> after they boot me out. Um, they. Uh, but yeah, those listening here, please do share this with your loved ones. I think it is a powerful message. It's my honor to be able to share my experiences with you. Um, and I would love to hear what triggered a beautiful heartfelt response from you or maybe allowed something to come up within you and those aha moments, let me know. You can email me, like I said, at feelalive, com or on Instagram. You'll get me mo- uh, best. And continue to do your best. That's all I say, is just continue to do your best in this world. There's no right, there's no wrong, there just is, and just take your steps. I'm here now because I've taken steps. And one step at a day, one step a day, will keep that old life away. Just came up with that, that's <laughs> awesome. Anyway, until next time, thank you very much and have, have a, a beautiful evening. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the end. I'm incredibly grateful to share these magical lessons and experiences with you here. Please, if you can do anything right now, adopt the takeaways that our guests give you in each episode and use it in your life and share it with your loved ones because that's what matters. And remember this, Socrates once said, the secret to change is to focus all of your energy not on fighting the old, but on building the new. It's time to wake up, my friends.